Okay, at this point, Job is uh, <laughs> Job's getting bit, a bit fed up with uh, with his so-called friends, and you know all their all they're offering him is is well no comfort at all. They're uh, they're just simply regurgitating the same old religious system that's been handed down to them by tradition, and um, there it seems there's just something about our hearts that that can't stand believing that we're not in control, and that's the root of what his friends are telling him. Uh, they can't, uh, you know, they can't, uh, they can't not be in control of their own life. Uh, so Eliphaz and, and his buddies are, are really not that different from all the rest of us. As, as Christians, we know the truth. We know that, that God accepts us through the death and resurrection of Christ, um, and that's a fact, and we believe it with all our heart, but our flesh still fights against that idea. We still have to battle against our hearts that want to have some uh you know some credit in what happens to us it It terrifies us to think that that suffering trial and death could could come upon us at any time without warning uh seemingly for no reason it's um It's much easier to to think that we are contributing something to our own lives it's easier to believe that you know if we try to live as best we can you know we can we can avoid all, all the bad things of life so so job's friends have to believe what they believe they it's it's ingrained in them it's much easier for them than believing the truth that they're not in control that god is in control and uh that god does what he pleases and and in their minds job couldn't be going through all the suffering unless he had done something some secret evil for which god is punishing him but job is getting pretty tired of all this he is suffering more than than anyone can possibly imagine and his friends are offering him no comfort at all in uh in verse 1 of chapter 16 i'm going to try to do 16 and 17 together because job uh, there, it's combined one speech. Verse 1 says in chapter 16, Then Job answered and said, I have heard many such things. Miserable comforters are you all. Shall windy words have an end? Or what provokes you that you answer? Job, has, he's, he's heard all their moralistic arguments before. They are offering him uh, nothing new. They, they're offering him no comfort at all. They're simply saying that, that he must straighten up and fly right, and then he'll be blessed. Uh, if he would just quit lying and saying that he's innocent, God would relieve all his suffering and restore all his blessings. And here Job is telling his comforters that, that they, aren't very, they aren't very good comforters at all. Instead, they're simply adding to his misery. And, and that's what religion does. It just adds to the pain of sin and the law. Religion isn't freedom from sin and death and when i say religion what i mean is working for righteousness in whatever form you want to call it um, it's adding more and more laws uh on top of the suffering that already exists it can only bring more suffering because uh, our flesh and our hearts are wicked instead of you know instead of bringing freedom uh religion what the what his friends are offering him it just brings more slavery um, if this is all his friends can offer, then Job asked them, you know, what in the world they think they're accomplishing. He calls their advice 
windy words. Just like Eliphaz accused him of having windy words, uh, Job turns it back on him and saying, no, you guys are the ones who are blowing hot air. Uh, although Job, you know, he's really just crying out for justice. Uh, it's the counselors themselves who are full of hot air. Uh, not only this, but, but the way they're talking, it would seem that they're no longer trying to counsel and comfort him as when they started. Now, now they're just trying to win the argument. They're just trying to be right and make sure Job knows that he's wrong. Instead of trying to help, they're just, you know, they're just caught in the midst of a theological discussion. And it happens to us. You know, it happens to us so many times. Instead of trying to lead people to Christ and, and grow them into a deeper relationship with God, we just want to, you know, just want to win the argument. You know, and, and I got to say, I fall into this trap, you know, often. I, I, I just want to be right more than I actually want to help those who with whom I have disagreements. And instead of using the disagreement as a springboard into the gospel, you know, we're just trying to win the argument. And verse 4 says, I also could speak as you do. Job tells him, if you were in my place. I could join words together against you and shake my head against you. I could strengthen you with my mouth and the solace of my lips would assure or assuage your pain. Assure. Job even puts himself here in uh, the friend's position. He says, uh, I, I could speak as you do if you were in my place. If the roles were reversed, uh, he could shame uh, them as they're shaming him he could do just what they're doing to him he could shake his head at them he could say oh man you're you're awful uh you must have done something really really bad for god to be doing this to you you're just a terrible person god must be really angry with you it, it would be easy for job to treat them just like they are treating him but job also says that he could be a true comfort to them in their suffering if he were in their place he could strengthen them with his words and he could use his advice to comfort their pain and this is what true comforters do this is what true counselors do it isn't just about being theologically right it's about helping people through their suffering so they can see the theological truth of God's sovereignty and righteousness it's not about just beating them over the head with truth it's about lovingly bringing them to the truth and and you know thereby they would see his love and mercy if Job would do it this way. It's fine to instruct uh, them in in these things, but no one really cares how much you know until they know how much you care. You've heard that old maxim before. If you if you have no love for whom you try to teach, whom you try to counsel, they will, you know, they'll know that their best interests um, and, and their good are not your motivation. And if they know this, then they'll be less likely to accept anything that you have to say. Um, if these guys wanted to ease Job's pain, they're going about it all the wrong way. Verse 6 says, If I speak, my pain is not assuaged. And if I forbear, how much of it leaves me? After chastising them about not being any help, Job also understands that he can't make his own pain go away he can't fix the pain he's going through and he can't just wait it out something has to happen job cannot overcome god's assault upon him uh so he thinks next job is going to he's going to start describing the suffering and the assault that god's brought against him in verse 7 he says surely now god has worn me out he has 
made desolate all my company, and he has shriveled me up, which is a witness against me, and my leanness has risen up against me. It testifies to my face. God has withered Job's strength with his with the suffering that he's going through. Job thinks that God's wrath has been poured out upon him and desolated everything in his life. He he no longer has anything to call his own. He has no family, no prosperity, and now even his health is withering away. He says that God has shriveled him up and all these things are a witness against him. God has taken away his strength uh, in every sense of the word, and, and Job claims that all this suffering is the proof that God is against him. Of course, you know, once again, we know that this isn't true, but Job is in, he's right in the midst of the grip of this suffering. He, he just can't seem to understand any other option. You know, um, although he, he holds on to his innocence and, and his integrity, knowing that his, his faithful sacrifices uh, they should have covered his sins based on God's word. He can't reconcile all this suffering he's experiencing with what he knows in his heart about God's faithfulness to his word. Uh, since God is faithful, he shouldn't be suffering like this, uh, or, or so he thinks. Uh, not only that, but Job is really, he's really taken all this personally. Uh, in verse 9 he says, He has torn me in his wrath and hated me. He has gnashed his teeth against me. My adversary sharpens his eyes against me. These things are getting really serious in Job's mind uh, if he's thinking that God hates him. And, and, and that's why he's going through all this suffering. That's what he thinks. Uh, Job is thinking that the only way all this suffering and torment is possible is if God himself is gnashing his teeth against Job. Remember that Job knows God is sovereign. We've seen that already. And Job knows that God is in control of all things. So Job is not falling into the category of people who think God is just sitting up there uh, watching the world go by and these things just happen in our lives and they're completely beyond his control. Um, but because Job knows that God is sovereign, he knows that God has at least allowed all this to happen. And he, he even thinks that God caused all this because he's pouring out his wrath upon him. Only the reader, only we know that the, you know, only we know what the real story is behind why Job is going through this. But we can see Job's pain and his emotion as he goes through suffering. And we want to holler at Job. We want to tell him, Job, we know what's going on. Just hold on. God is not punishing you. Uh, but so often when we go through suffering, uh, we don't want to hear that voice that tells us, you know, God's not punishing you. It's it's suffering in this life. It's a test. It's, you know, all those things sound like religious cliches when we say them. But here we can see that they're true in Job's life. Verse 10 says, Men have gaped at me with their mouth. They have struck me insolently on the cheek. They mass themselves together against me. God gives me up to the ungodly and casts me into the hands of of the wicked. Part of Job's punishment, and he thinks it's punishment for his sin, is that God has turned Job over to sinful men to be mocked. Job says that men gasp at the suffering he's going through and they, they strike him with their words. And Job can only mean his three friends here. I mean, he can only be talking about them. And so it's kind of a backhanded insult to them. They're the ones who are beating him down with their religious advice. So, uh, 
I, I want you to really take notice of what Job's saying here. The three friends who have come, who have come to comfort Job in his time of, of suffering are actually part of the punishment God is inflicting upon him, is what Job says. As far as Job can, is concerned, God has given him over to these men. So here, Job is falling deeper and deeper into despair. He thinks God is punishing him in his wrath, even though he doesn't know why God is doing it. And even the people who have come to, to so-called comfort him are ministers who are bringing God's wrath upon him with their unhelpful religious advice. <clears throat> you can see that Job's level of desperation, uh, it's getting so bad that it's almost reaching panic level. He is getting to the point where uh, everything is just hopeless. He sees God's judgment in everything that's going on, even though we know that God is not punishing him. Uh, but he, 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 he has no other option. Uh, from verses 12 to 14, Job basically just goes on a tirade about God inflicting pain and torture on him. He says, I was at ease, and he broke me apart. He seized me by the neck and dashed me to pieces. He set me up as his target. His archers surround me. He slashes open my kidneys and does not spare. He pours out my gall on the ground. He breaks me with breach upon breach. He runs upon me like a warrior. Job had it all going on, and then God broke his neck with suffering. That's basically what he's saying. Job says that, that God has ripped his insides out. He's slashed at Job's kidneys. Uh, his meaning here is that God is, is ripping his insides to pieces, and it just won't stop. The suffering God is inflicting just keeps coming and coming, breach upon breach. Um, he breaks upon me with breach upon breach. That's what he says. Job's suffering uh, didn't end with the loss of everything, including his health. Now Job's suffering continues as the pain of it all continues. And on top of that, he has to deal with these men who are just giving him more reasons to suffer. They are, are just adding to the torments by offering him uh, religion and more works in order to earn the right to have God's blessings back. Uh, when faced with the reality that Job can never do enough uh, which you know we all should completely understand, all his counselors are doing is adding to his pain. When the preacher says that God just wants to bless you, but you have to believe enough or work enough to earn it, all he's doing is giving you more reasons to despair. A single sin is enough to send uh, a person to hell. So unless he is completely perfect from the day he is born until the day that he dies, no one can do good enough to earn anything from God. Uh, you can't believe good enough. You can't have enough faith. It's not about how much faith you have. It's about what your faith is in. You can't repent enough in order to earn God's favor. Um, it's by grace through faith that you're saved. And when we try all this, when we try to do in order to gain uh, God's favor, God's blessing, righteous standing with him, all we do is find more despair and pain, more suffering. We need God's grace, and this is what Job desperately longs for. It, it's something he thought he knew already, but all this suffering is, has brought him to despair. And instead of grace, his friends are just giving him more pain. 
And so Job's going to express this in, in verses 15 through 17. He says, he says, I have sewed sackcloth upon my skin, uh, and I've laid my strength in the dust. My face is red with weeping, and, and on my eyelids is deep darkness, although there is no violence in my hands, and my prayer is pure. Job still maintains his innocence, even in the face of all this suffering, even in the face of the 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 friends who are giving him this awful religious counsel they're they're doing all they can to try to convince him that all he needs to do is work a little harder and do a little better and he will be released from all this suffering if he would just repent and tell god what he's hiding and and, and start living right uh, god would bless him but but in all that he trusts completely in god's word We've already seen that he knows he's not sinless. Uh, he has offered sacrifice on a daily basis for his sin and the sins of his children. But he still maintains that there's no violence in his hands. And, and his prayers are pure because God promised that faith in those animal sacrifices would cover his sin. As they pointed to the true sacrifice of Christ. So Job is saying, no, no, no. God promised I would be forgiven. And he doesn't understand why this is going on. What if we as Christians held fast to our faith like this? Even when the toughest of trials come upon us, even when sickness and suffering enters our lives, we hold fast to the fact that Jesus died for us and he paid the price for us. The Father can only see us as perfect before Him because of what Jesus did for us. His Son is perfect and we are in His Son, therefore we are perfect. We should never wonder if God is punishing us or not as believers. We know the answer. God has punished His Son in our place. He may discipline us and He may chastise us and sometimes those things are not fun. Sometimes they cause us to suffer. But it's always, if you're his child, it's always for corrective purpose. To bring us back toward the path of righteous, it, righteousness. It's, it, it's never punitive. It's never just to punish and just to make us pay. It's always redemptive. But once again, Job descends into hopelessness based on what his friends are telling him. And, and once again, Job knows that the only release from his suffering is... To, is you know, it's going to come in the form of a mediator. He needs someone who can stand between him and make his case to God. He needs an advocate. Job cries out for, for this justice. This, this In 18 through 20, he says, O earth, cover not my blood, and let my cry find no resting place. Even now, behold, my witness is in heaven, and he who testifies for me is on high. My friends scorn me. My eye pours out tears to God. He begs the earth not to cover his blood. Don't let me die without having justice. Don't just sweep all this under the rug. Let my case become known and let it be brought before the judge. But he knows that he needs a mediator. He said there is one that testifies for him. There is a witness for his case and that witness is in heaven. All these friends here on earth, they just scorn him. They're, they're not very good comforters, and they would make lousy advocates for Job when his case is finally brought to trial. But there is one who testifies for him. 
of this mediator, he says in verse 21, that he would argue the case of a man with God and a son of man does, as a son of man does with his neighbor. For when a few years have come, I shall go the way from which I shall not return. He's coming to the end and his only hope is found in the one who will stand in his place. Notice in verse 22, Job, he can only look forward to death so he can come before the judge and have his case heard. And Job's so-called comforters have only added to his pain. Uh, in the next chapter, chapter 17, the first two verses says, My spirit is broken. My days are extinct. The graveyard is ready for me. Surely there are mockers about me, and my eye dwells on their provocation. He knows that his comfort, peace, and restoration doesn't lie with these comforters. Uh, he's ab He has absolutely no faith that they can help him in any way. In fact, he, he fully expects that God is going to punish them for the things that they've said and what they have uh, done. Uh, the way that if they have represented God, they've not spoken truthfully. And they have caused God's man, Job, uh, they've caused him a great deal of suffering. Even though he's been through all this, his friends have sinned because they did not show love to their brother. Verse 3 says, Lay down a pledge for me with you. Who is there who will put up security for me? Since you have closed your hearts to understanding, therefore you will not let them triumph. He's saying God won't let his friends triumph. Verse 5 says, He who informs against his friends to get a share of their property, the eyes of his children will fail. He says they will be judged. And in verse 6 he says, He has made me a byword among the people. I am one before whom men spit. My eye has grown dim from vexation, and all my members are like a shadow. Job is well aware of the fact that he has become he's become a shamed invalid. He knows his name has become a byword among the people. They spit on him and rebuke him because of his situation. Even his body, his eyes, his members are fading like a shadow because of all the suffering that he's going through. Uh, I, I guess his friends could say that he is misrepresenting their arguments uh, many times this is the claim that, that you know people are going to make when they're when they're caught misrepresenting God they say well no you're just taking me the wrong way but job is going to succinctly summarize their position in verse eight and nine he's going to say the upright are appalled at this and the innocent stirs himself up against the godless yet the righteous holds to his way and he who has clean hands grows stronger and stronger. Those who are upright, or, or who think they're upright, are appalled at Job's suffering. They, they come against him because they believe he is godless, and they are innocent. They believe their hands are, are clean, so they're, they're, they're getting stronger and stronger with their rebukes of him. He knows exactly what they're saying, and he totally rejects it. He says, verse 10, but you come on again, all of you. And I shall not find a wise man among you. I love this. Job tells his buddies, you just keep it coming. Keep on giving me all you got. He calls them a bunch of fools. There isn't a wise man among you. The, the, the more they talk and give advice, the more ignorant they reveal themselves to be. They have no idea what or why Job is going through all this. 
but they're trying to save their own worldview by casting blame on Job. They're, they're making light of Job's horrible situation. Um, it's not just a case of a man doing bad and God punishing him. It's much more than that. It's about whether or not man can trust God's word. God told Job, God promised man that, that he would give him forgiveness through faith and through sacrifice. Uh, and those sacrifices pointed to Christ. And now that promise is being questioned in Job's life. In verse 11 he says, My days are past, my plans are broken off, the desires of my heart. They make night into day. The light, they say, is near to darkness. They're trying to give him a solution that's really no solution at all. In the end, Job can only hope for death. He has no hope but to make the grave his house and accept it. Uh, finally, he says, verse 13, he says, If I hope for Sheol as my house, if I make my bed in darkness, if I say to the pit, you are my father, and to the worm, my mother or my sister, where then is my hope? Who will see my hope? Will it go down to the bars of Sheol? Shall we descend together in the dust? Job ends this speech on a note of desperate hopelessness. He has called to God to plead his case, but in the face of his friend's advice, the only thing that he can really hope for is an end to suffering through death. When he dies, his suffering will finally end because he maintains the fact that he is indeed innocent of the crimes these friends are accusing him of. He does not know exactly why God is punishing him, but he can find no reason in and of himself. And so often when we go through suffering or when we try to help someone go through suffering, um, we want to hold on uh, to this controlling worldview that says, you know, it must have been something that you done. It must have been something that you did. It must have been something that uh, in your life that, that God saw as uh, uh, deserving punishment. And therefore, he rained the suffering down upon you because we look around and there's a lot of people that are not suffering. When the reality is that it's the world that we live in. Suffering comes uh, eventually to all all people. And for the child of God, for the believer, just as Job is here, God uses that suffering to sanctify us, to make us more like Christ, to make us holy, and, and to grow us into a greater relationship with Him. Uh, but it's often so easy for us uh, just to fall into the desperation that Job is falling into here, and, and to think, well, God hates me, God's doing this to me, why have you done this to me? when the reality is that this is part of the process of growing us in sanctification. This is, uh, you know, you. Uh, it would be hard for me to say it to a person grieving like Job is here, but the reality is that it's out of God's love that he's done this uh, for Job because it's going to, we're going to see at the end of the book, it's going to grow him in a greater and greater relationship uh, with his God.